Sometimes we need a little inspiration, and Real Things Living podcast does just that. Real Things Living has a focus on resilience and connection with others. Those connections lead to ideas, to solutions, and to better overall health. This podcast is brought to you by Gemini Media. Gemini Media delivers the best solutions for business communications through collaborative relationships. Hi, y'all. It's Bridget Cutshaw with Real Things Living. Today's episode is a conversation with George Chanos. He was the Attorney General in Nevada, and after he had a heart attack in 2012, his purpose in life changed. That situation really changed his perspective on what he should be doing while he was still here. He decided to leave uh, a legacy for his daughter and wrote two books and this basically wanted to give her awareness and how that helps you prepare for change in the future. I so appreciate um, that we connected because George has a really great background and he is an author of two books. The first one is Seize Your Destiny. He, he had we had previously spoke and he said he wrote, wrote it for his daughter. And then the most recent one is called The Millennial Samurai. So can you like share what got you to start writing books? And I don't, I'm, I'm assuming you're retired now, right? Sure. So um, semi-retired. Okay. So, yeah. So my, my background is I, I formally served as Nevada's attorney general. Um, I've been practicing law for 30 years. Um, I stopped practicing law about 10 years ago. Um, I am the chairman of the board of uh, two companies, two franchises. Um, one is called Capriati's. It is a uh, 200 store sub sandwich franchise, one of the fastest growing QSRs in the United States. And um, the other is Wing Zone. We recently acquired Wing Zone and um, are having phenomenal growth with Wing Zone as well. Even during the pandemic, uh, these brands are, are doing quite well um, because they have great food and they uh, are at a reasonable price and uh, they have what we call raving disciples. They have fans from all over the country that just you know love these products. But uh, in, in any case, my background is that I have been solving complex problems for decades. Um, and I've represented um, people from all walks of life, um, but also high net worth individuals, governors and billionaires, and um, some very successful people. In 2012, I had a heart attack uh, 10 years ago. And um, my daughter at the time was 15 years old. And I was concerned that I might pass away, uh, have another heart attack, <clears throat> and um, leave her without the benefit of my guidance. And so I thought, well, how can I, you know, anticipate the issues that might affect her and provide some guidance in advance of uh, anything happening to me? How can I download my knowledge in essence? And so I began to write a letter to her. And ultimately, because I like to write, the letter became very long. And uh, once it was over 100 pages, I started looking at it more as a book. And um, I realized that, you know, I would make it into a book and I would leave for a book. 
And so that became my first book. And that was called Seize Your Destiny, A Roadmap to Success. And um, after I finished that book, I, I felt that I had accomplished what I set out to do, which was download my knowledge into that book for her, for her, you know, to use in the event I wasn't there. And but then I also realized that what I had talked about in that book was the life that I had lived and the experiences I had had and what I learned from them and what guidance I could offer from them. Um, but then I realized that the world that she was going to live in over the next 30 years was going to be very different than the world that I had lived in. Um, you know, for example, uh, I would, uh, if I wanted the answer to a question, I would have to get on my bike and drive to the library and, and look up the question. Right. <laughs> today you can go on your cell phone, right? And you can Google something and you can get the answer instantaneously. So it's a different world, right? And the world over the next 30 years I knew would be even more different, but I didn't know how different it would be. And so I decided I wanted to uh, do a reconnaissance mission. I wanted to go into the future and try to learn about what that world would be like so that I could write a second book and I could leave her that advice as well. And so that became a process of my starting to research the future. And, you know, if you don't look at something, you don't know much about it, right? So if I ask you what's happening, um, you know, in Cincinnati right now, and you're not in Cincinnati, you're not going to be able to tell me. Um, but uh, someone who's there and someone who's looking at it uh, would be able to tell us. So I started looking at the future so that I would be in a position to be able to talk about it and write about it. And what I found was absolutely extraordinary, unbelievable in terms of what's going to happen over the next 10, 15, 20, and 30 years. And I, uh, I started to uh, record all of that and, and document all of that. And that became my second book. And that book is called Millennial Samurai, a mindset for the 21st century, right? And Millennial Samurai, um, I want everyone in the country, if, if, if possible, uh, as many people as possible to read this book. So I'm giving it away for free. You can go to millennialsamurai.com um, and you can download the entire book absolutely for free. Um, you can also, if you want the hard copy, because some people prefer a hard copy, um, you can go out to Amazon.com and you can buy the book. It's $29 on Amazon. And um, I can tell you that it is the best $29 that you ever will have spent. Um, I'm, I've, I've had great success in my life. I've, I've had uh, uh, great financial success and personal success and professional success in three areas. Um, in the law, in business, and in franchising. In the law, um, I you know, rose to the top of my profession. I ran the state's largest law firm. I served as the attorney general of the state. Um, and um, I argued before the United States Supreme Court. I won 9-0. So I had great success in the law. Um, in in uh, business, um, I have uh, um, uh, had great success with uh, Capriati's and uh, um, with other business ventures that I've been involved in that have also been very financially successful. And then, um, let's see, so 
Oh, real estate. In real estate, uh, I've also had uh, great financial success. I've, I've bought pieces of property and flipped them in short order for, um, you know, very, very substantial profits. Um, and, and so I want to share that guidance with other people. I'm 64 years old. Um, I don't want to uh, really do what I did for 30 years and just keep doing that. I don't want to work in a law firm. I don't want to have my own law practice. I don't want to advise only high net worth individuals. I want to try to change lives, more lives. At right. 64, it's more about legacy. It's about leaving something behind. It's about having your life stand for something. And so the more people's lives I can enrich, the better. That to me uh, will be the mark of a good life. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm writing, I'm speaking, I'm doing interviews like this, and I'm trying to share knowledge. So let me tell you a little bit about um, what you'll learn from uh, Millennial Samurai. First of all, it's broken down into 182 chapters. Wow. The chapters are only one to three pages each. So they're very, very short. You can read a chapter in a couple of minutes and it becomes like Lay's potato chips. What happens is you'll read a chapter, you'll get so much out of that chapter in such a short amount of time that you'll say, wow, this was really worth the investment of time. I spent two minutes and I learned something new, something significant. I'm gonna spend another two minutes and I'm gonna learn something from the next chapter. And you keep reading. Out of all the things that I will leave my daughter, out of the, the home, the money, the cars, anything that I will leave to her, the most valuable thing that I will leave my daughter is, I swear, is this book, okay? Right. So now everybody has a chance to leave that to their daughter or to their son, and they can download it for free, right? So they don't even have to buy it. They can download it for free at millennialsamurai.com. Or they can give them, you know, instead of a Christmas gift of something useless, they can, you know, give them a $29 Christmas gift of that book and potentially change their lives. Moments change lives. Um, people can read something, they can read a paragraph, they can read a sentence, uh, they can listen to a, spe a speaker, like you're listening to me today. And it can change your life. It can move your life in a whole new direction. You never know what's going to speak to someone or what is going to touch someone. And all people are different. So someone may hear something that we're talking about today and it may resonate with them and it may uh, cause them to take action. And that action could change the dynamics of their life. So here's a brief uh, uh, look at to some of, of what I learned in looking at the future. In 2014, uh, Stephen Hawking, theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking, said that a moment in time called the singularity, uh, the moment in time when machine intelligence eclipses human intelligence, would be the greatest event in human history, greater than fire, greater than the wheel, greater than anything that humankind has ever encountered. That, that moment when machine intelligence will eclipse human intelligence, a man named Ray Kurzweil um, at Google is the head of artificial intelligence for Google. 
Uh, he's uh, one of the foremost authorities in the world on the subject. Um, and Ray Kurzweil has been making predictions, technological predictions, um, uh, evolutions in technology, you know, where this is going. He's been making those predictions since the 1990s. And he's been about 80% correct in his predictions. He says that the singularity will come as early as 2029. That's seven years away. So, so imagine the greatest event in human history. Imagine fire being invented or the wheel being invented uh, in seven years. So number one, you have that to look forward to. Number two, what Kurzweil goes on to say is even more important and more amazing. Kurzweil says that by the 2040s, which is 20 years away, artificial intelligence will not be our equal. It will be a billion times more, in, more capable than human intelligence, a billion times. So think about that for a minute. If your dog's intelligence was a billion times greater than it is, your dog would be walking you, okay? It is a, it is a, a paradigm shift. It is a sea change. It is a tectonic change in the way that our lives will, will be. It will change everything about uh, um, our life on this planet. Um, and it's coming within the next 20 years. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for that level of change? Can you surf that technological tsunami? Can you learn to dance with machines? And, and that's essentially the questions that are in front of all of us. Now, very few people are talking about this. And I don't know why that is, um, but it may be because you know, they're concerned about the fragility of certain people um, and that you know, they're, they're not, uh, they don't feel that they are uh, capable of handling this information. And so they, don't, you know, they wanna hide this information. Um, that's the way our government behaved regarding UFOs for many, many years. Um, only now, only recently, has Congress had hearings where they have acknowledged the existence of uh, what they call UAPs now, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena that they can't explain. But rather than ignore it, or rather than call the people that are seeing it crazy, they're acknowledging it. Um, they're, they're saying that it does exist. Uh, airplane pilots, military pilots have been reporting this for decades and it's been kept secret. But now uh, they're coming out with it. So soon you're going to start hearing more and more about what I'm talking about. I may be one of the first in the country to be talking about this, but you're going to hear more of it um, over the next five years, a lot more of it, because it's going to have a profound effect on the world that we live in. Automation, for example, advances in technology and automation. You know, you, you look out, you look at the news, just look at the news, see what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, see what's happening with the George Floyd protests, see what's happening with China and Taiwan, and you see that the world is changing very rapidly and very radically. Look at the Democratic Party, look at how it's changed, right? So the world and, and the Republican Party, look at how the world is changing so dramatically, right? Part of that is what I call the water on the floor from the impending tsunami, right? right. So this technological tsunami, whenever there's a tsunami beforehand, there's a level of water that increases at the beach. And it's signaling that there's this tsunami on the horizon, right? 
Well, the water on the floor is everything that you're seeing today that is different than the life that you grew up in. And that's part of this technological tsunami. The first wave of that technological tsunami is this, your phone, right? right. Um, social media. Your phone has 100,000 times the computing power that NASA had in 1969 when it put men on the moon. So when NASA put men on the moon 50 years ago, they had a room full of computers that were required to achieve that task. Today, I have a phone that has 100,000 times the computing power that NASA had in 1969, and I'm not the only one. Everyone has this phone in their back pocket or in their purse. So, um, so this is creating a level of change. Uh, social media allows, uh, in the past, there were gatekeepers. There were, you know, you wanted to publish a book, you had to get a publisher who would publish your book. Mm -hmm. I published my book without any publisher on Amazon, on Kindle Direct Press. I was able to go direct to the consumer. That was never possible decades ago. Um, crowdfunding. I can go to crowdfunding and I can raise money from strangers, millions of strangers, tens of thousands of strangers that I've never met before. That was never possible. There are all sorts of advances that are now possible. New careers, new professions, um, new ways to monetize uh, yourself. Um, you have a podcast. You can build that podcast. More and more people can join your audience. And then you can begin to monetize that podcast. This was something that was not available before. All of these new developments are creating seismic shifts in the way society conducts itself. You might, in the past, have, uh, have made a decision to work for a company. You may have gone and you know, done a nine-to-five job and worked for a company. Today, you may say, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast and I'm gonna build it up, and I'm gonna work from my home, and I'm going to create my own audience, and I'm going to monetize that. These are opportunities that are made possible by technology that never existed before, and there are many of them, and there will be many, many more. And so I believe that, that uh, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, uh, she was Larry Summers' chief of staff, brilliant woman, only female on the board of directors of Facebook, she said that you cannot change that which you are unaware of. But once you are aware, you cannot help but change. And so awareness is very, very important, creating right. awareness, right? So this is what I'm trying to do with this interview on your podcast, is I'm trying to create more awareness about the change that is coming and, and what you can do about it. How can you learn to surf a tsunami? How can you be, you talk about resilience, how can you be more resilient? How can you uh, achieve your goals? How can you take advantage of all of the amazing opportunities that are going to be coming your way? And how can you overcome the challenges that will also be coming your way? And all of that, I've taken 444 pages and I've put it into this book. And, and so I would highly recommend that you either download it for free or that you go to Amazon and you get yourself a copy and you get your children a copy. I can't hear you. Muted myself. Sorry about that. I, my dogs okay. are walking around and I had to. <laughs> no problem. 
it's uh what you're saying is it's um it's that that moment i i take it away the moment that changed your life was 2012 and you're like okay i need to help people make them understand and we are only shown so much information and only have so much i think that's what social media has <coughs> upset people in a way just because it's so much like it's a tsunami of information i think yeah, right? yeah. and your book helps summarize it in a way almost like an almanac it sounds like it's absolutely so that's and and that's a great point because um, in order to, to profit from information, um, you have to be able to find um, the right important information in a sea of information, right? So there is information overload today. There's yes. so much information that it's hard to, uh, it becomes overwhelming. It becomes confusing. And so what's great about Millennial Samurai is that I've spent now a total of 10 years looking at this type of, of information. I've consumed vast quantities of information, um, more than, than, much more than the average human being. And, and I've taken that and I've distilled it down into only the most important concepts. So, you know, for example, there's an, a, a, a paragraph, one of the 182 chapters is a paragraph on character, right? character is an important thing to know about and to understand, right? If you lack good character, um, it really doesn't matter what else you do in life, you're not going to be successful. Nobody's going to want to have anything to do with you. Okay? Right. So character is essential, right? There, there are you, a group of, uh, of uh, Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania professors who wrote an 800 page treatise on the subject of character, right? But you don't want to read 800 pages, right? You don't, you don't expect your child to read 800 pages on character. It's never going to happen, right? So what can you put in one, two, or three pages that is going to cause someone to read about character in those two or three pages and come away understanding that this is an essential concept that I need to integrate into my life and that I need to have good character. What is it that you put in those one, two, or three pages? So I've had to do that over, you know, 180 times with various subjects where I'll take this great body of information, I'll read that information, I'll distill that information into the key points, and then I'll put those key points into the chapter on character or commitment or compassion or longevity escape velocity, or artificial intelligence, or the internet of things, or cloud computing, or 3D printing, um, all of these subjects, um, you could read for months on these subjects. But what are the essential points that you need to know about each of these subjects? So that, you know, what is it that you need to know about 3D printing? That if you come across a situation that might present itself where 3D printing could be the answer or the solution, right? You need to know enough about it to know that it's out there and to know what it can do and to know how it works so that when you find a situation where it might be applicable, you now know that you have that resource available to you, 
right? So that's, that's what Millennial Samurai is like. It's like if I gave you a duffel bag, if I put you in the Amazon rainforest and I gave you a duffel bag for your survival, I would put a knife in it, I'd put a compass in it, I'd put water in it, I would put a fire starter in it. I would put all these elements that would help you survive and thrive. Millennial Samurai is your duffel bag for the 21st century. And it contains all of those assets, right? And so, you know, a great, great example is, uh, um, let's talk for a moment about uh, 100 years ago, Coca-Cola. Right. If yeah. you would have bought, if you would have known about Coca-Cola or you would have known about Apple Computer or you would have known about Amazon in the very infancy of those companies and you would have known how significant they would become, you would have bought the stock. Right. You would have bought the stock at the very beginning and you would have made a fortune. You know, a, a $500 investment in Coca-Cola would be worth $10 million today wow. okay? if, if, you had, if you had put it in in the beginning. Okay. All right. So, so what can you learn in Millennial Samurai that might do the same thing for you? Right. Well, there's a chapter on asteroid mining, right? What do you know about asteroid mining? Probably not very much. Right. But um, if you read Millennial Samurai, you'd learn that there's a company called Planetary Resources that was launched by Larry Page and Eric Schmidt of Google. Right. These are smart guys. These are guys who have, afford, you know, made a lot of money. Um, they're on the cutting edge of, of the greatest advances in technology in the world today. And what are they doing? They've launched this company called Planetary Resources, and it's an asteroid mining company. They've identified, they've identified a, a, an asteroid called Davida, um, which they believe has over $100 trillion worth of precious metals. $100 trillion. Now, the global GDP, the global GDP is only $100 trillion. The US GDP is $20 trillion. So if you have a single asteroid that has $100 trillion worth of precious metals, and they've identified that there are 5,000 mineable asteroids in our solar system, and just one of them has $100 trillion worth of precious metals, um, obviously, this is going to be a big business, right? This is going to be yes. this is going to be an industry of the future, and and when you also discover that the hundred trillion dollars in precious metals is not the most valuable thing about the asteroid, then you really understand that this is going to be a future, a huge future industry and undertaking, right? So the most valuable thing that is on these asteroids is not precious metals, it's water, H2O. Uh, I was, yeah, I was gonna ask that question. <laughs> hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, hydrogen and oxygen are found on these asteroids. And hydrogen and oxygen are the elements of water and they are also the elements of rocket fuel. So this is how you make rocket fuel. And so all of NASA's 135 space missions have been made from rocket fuel, from hydrogen and oxygen. And so these asteroids, what these, the, the real value that these asteroids represent is that they are gas stations. They can be fuel depots oh, wow. for future planetary exploration. So today, 
it takes 10 tons, 10 tons of rocket fuel to lift one ton of rocket fuel into orbit and to escape Earth's gravity. So you have to burn 10 tons to take one ton up with you. So this prohibits further travel um, to Mars or to Jupiter or to other planets, right? The only way we're going to get to these other planets is if we figure out a way to refuel in space. And the way that they're going to refuel in space is by taking the, the spaceship from Earth to one of these asteroids and then refueling on the asteroid. So this is going to enable uh, outer space exploration and colonization. So now, when you see planetary resources go public as a company on the New York Stock Exchange, you might want to buy a few shares. I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to buy <laughs> You might, might want to buy a few shares. Now, had you not known all of this, had you not known what I just told you, you never would have bought the shares. You never would have understood the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, even if there was news coverage, the news coverage may not have explained it as fully as, as I have right now. You're, you're getting to the point and what the value of it is, exactly. right? And they're exactly. more, the I shouldn't say the journalists, but the media, they're, they're making more into a big story i don't know yeah they just they'll basically just tell you you know larry schmidt and eric uh larry page yeah. and eric schmidt formed this new company and they're going to mine asteroids and then the commentator like, gonna sit there and go asteroids what are they going to do mining asteroids right, you know, exactly. well you know you know and they're not going to necessarily have done the research to really understand right. what it's all about they're just going to see a press release right exactly. so 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 Instead of reading, you know, 2,000 books or 2,000 uh, uh, research papers uh, to learn uh, the information that's in this book, instead, you just get this one book and read that book, and it will tell you about all of these different things that are going to happen or that already are happening. Right. There, there, are, uh, there are some Japanese scientists that have uh, taken a skin sample from the tail of a female mouse, and they have uh, created a gamete, a sperm and an egg, both from the skin sample of the female mouse. And from that gamete, they have created eight pups, eight mice, uh, from just the female uh, mouse donor. Um, so um, the scientists who have done this have said that it would be naive to think that we will not be able to do this with humans. We will be able to do this with humans. So imagine in the future, not needing a man and a woman or a male and female donor to create a, uh, a new child. Um, all you will need is a skin sample uh, from a female donor or a male donor, and you will be able to create a gamete. And from that gamete, you will be able to create a sperm and an egg. And from that gamete, you will be able to create uh, new human life. And, and so what is that going to do to all of our conceptions? What is that going to do to our religious beliefs? What is that going to do to society in general? What does that mean for society? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? You know, these are issues that we can debate, but not if we don't know about them, right? So we need to know 
what's happening. Um, longevity escape velocity. There's a, there's a gentleman named Aubrey de Grey of the SENS Research Foundation who says that the first person who will live to a thousand years old is alive today, meaning a baby born today. Over the next 90 years, we will develop the technology to expand that baby's life span from what it is today, which is roughly 100 years, to 200 years, then 300 years, and ultimately to as much as 1,000 years or more um, over the next 90 years. What is that going to do to humanity? What is that going to do to society, right? What are we going to do when people are living that long, right? So all of these issues are, are issues that are um, on the immediate horizon. I mean, some of these things are going to happen over the next five years, over the next 10 years. Um, you know, if you look at AI and if it's coming in seven years, and if in 20 years, it will be a billion times more capable than the human brain, a billion times smarter than Einstein, you know, what is that going to mean? And so anyway, it's going to create phenomenal opportunities and it's also going to create very daunting challenges. Right. And, uh, you know, it does, there's no benefit in worrying about this. There's no benefit in, in dreading this. The benefit is in being excited about it and, and trying to take advantage of it and, and thinking about all the great things, lifespans will increase, uh, sickness will go away, disease will be overcome. I mean, all of these benefits are going to happen. Yes, there will be negatives, but there will also be tremendous benefits. So, um, you know, leaders don't run from problems. They run at them. And so if, if you want to survive and thrive in the future, you're going to need to assume that leadership posture. You're going to need to raise your game. You're going to need to be optimistic. You're going to need to believe in yourself and in others. And you're going to need to attack the future head on. You're going to need to understand it. Um, you're going to need to engage in lifelong learning. You're going to need to start learning more. And uh, you're going to need to adapt, constantly adapt yeah. to a changing environment. Right. You know? I think and, you know, what you're saying is that that knowledge is going to empower you, right? Having that knowledge. And Absolutely. you were saying about, the, I love to learn things. I constantly, like you, I like to learn. And one question that came to my mind was, how do you think this is going to affect um, schools? You know what I'm saying? Uh, teaching kids. I just was curious of what you're, because I'm sure it might be in the book. I haven't read it yet, yeah, guys. Yeah. I think that, uh, so So I think that we need a complete overhaul of the U.S. and, and global educational system, right? right? So the existing public education system was created at the turn of the century at the Industrial Revolution. America used to be an agrarian society. Most of us were farmers out in the fields, right? Um, like 90% of the American yeah, public. Yeah, my father's family, they were farmers in Kentucky. Yeah. It's yeah. tobacco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what Americans did um, in the 1800s, right? In the 1900s, uh, we had the Industrial Revolution and we created the American educational system um, to basically move the public from the agrarian 
existence to the industrial existence, to be able to work in the factories. Uh, they had to learn certain things about how to operate a machine, um, you know, and, and how to work on an assembly line and how all of this functioned. And so we created this educational system for that purpose. Well, the industrial revolution is over. We're now in the technological revolution and the technological revolution will dwarf the industrial revolution. Oh yeah. <laughs> it will be far more massive. So why haven't we created a new educational system to address the technological revolution? Why aren't our children learning all of the things that I'm talking about in this book and more? Um, why aren't they learning how to adapt? Why aren't they learning about resilience? Why aren't they learning about um, you know, belief systems, believing in themselves, believing in other people? Um, having an optimistic view of the future, um, you know, wanting to embrace this level of change, not fearing it, but, but desiring it, right? There's, there's a great book. You talk, I know you talk about resilience. There is a, uh, there's a great book from uh, uh, an author named Taleb, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And uh, he's a statistician, he was an options trader, he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, academic and, and uh, uh, writer. Um, and and uh, he wrote this book called Anti-Fragile. And basically, uh, he's written several books, but Anti-Fragile is uh, one of his most recent books. And basically in, in Anti-Fragile, he talks about the concept of resilience. And he draws a distinction between um, um, Basically, he says that volatility and randomness and disorder and chaos and stressors are actually very good for us. They benefit us because they make us grow, right? We become better. Um, that these things are, are uh, that being anti-fragile is, is better than being resilient because resilient is basically um, being... Um, resilient to, resistant to shock, right? So you're resistant if you're resilient, you're resistant to shock. If you're anti-fragile, you're not just resistance, you're not just resistant to shock, you thrive on shock. Uh, shock wakes you up, shock motivates you, shock gets you moving, right? And, and creates action. And, and that's what anti-fragility is all about. And so um, he basically says that, um, you know, he gives an example of, of uh, the wind. The wind extinguishes a candle flame, but it ignites a fire, right? So, so you, need, you need wind to start a fire, right? You need, you need a breeze, you need air, you need to blow on the, on the, on the ashes to make them burst into flames. So wind can put out a fragile candle, but it, but it ignites an anti-fragile flame, right? So uh, Talib tells us to be the flame and wish for the wind, right? So in other words, be that type of person that wishes for disruption and disorder and, and change. And, and use it to fuel you, right? You don't run from change, but run at it. 
right. run, run at it and wish for it, want it, because there's opportunity in change. There's opportunity in disorder. There's opportunity in chaos. And, and shock can be good for you, right? So life is a, you know, life uh, uh, deals us a number of uh, experiences throughout our life. Some of them are, are what we think of as beneficial and you know, positive, and some of them are what we think of as negative um, and, and feel are negative, right? And the reality is that every one of these experiences, every one of these experiences actually enriches you, right? Uh, what Nietzsche said, uh, whatever, whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger, right? right? So, so these, you know, some of these negative experiences, some of these traumas, some of these disappointments, some of these losses, some of these failures are the foundation, are the foundation of who you are. They have made you stronger. They have made you more resilient. They have made you more anti-fragile. They have made you a stronger, better person, more capable of dealing with you know, um, whatever life throws at you. So, you know, think of, think of these things as, as um, things that are being thrown at you. And if, and, if you, and if you take the negative, if you take the stressors as being harmful and the positives as being beneficial, then half of your life virtually is, is to your disadvantage. But if you look at the negative as a positive and you actually you know, thrive from that negative input, then now you're getting positive and positive and, and you're, you're getting a much, you're, 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 you, the result is a much better life, a much better mindset, a, a much better level of happiness and contentment, right? So, so I don't look at things that go wrong in my life, uh, seemingly wrong in my life as being, uh, you know, entirely negative at all. Um, I find benefit in them. I find opportunity right. in them, right? Um, you know, a great example is, uh, let's say that uh, the price of fuel is going up, right? The price of fuel, you know that gas prices have gone up, right? Well, if gas prices have gone up, there's an opportunity to, if you know, that gas prices are going up, or if you know that inflation is going up, you can make trades on the stock market or on the commodities market that profit from those changes, right? So as long as you know what's going to happen, there's a way to uh, take positions that actually allow you to profit from those changes. You can make more money on the commodities market and more than offset what you pay in increased prices at the gas pump, right? So you have a net profit, right? It's all a matter of knowing about how, what it, know, understanding information. And the more information you understand, the more you're able to use that information to your advantage. So take what seems like a negative and find a way, look for a way, affirmatively look for a way to turn it into a positive. That sounds very much like something my stepfather would say, because <laughs> he 
military and all that, um, special forces, all, blah, blah, blah. He always taught me to look at the, expect the good out of a situation. He said, look at the good in that situation. Yep. And that, I think that's helped. Um, I, when I was a young kid, being around the mili you know, military brat, I was like, eh, I resented it a, at the time. But I learned a lot from that. You know, when you reflect on that too, I think that's important too to reflect on the situation or what happened, and and what did good come out of that? And, and what could um, what good could come out of it? Look at my yes, heart attack. Exactly, it's just look, perfect. Yeah, look at my heart attack. Right? And, right, and now look at you what you've done, and it's is amazing all this research you've got the you use the skills that you probably learned from yeah. being an attorney and yeah. um, researching, yeah. and so you're able to dissect it is that the right word and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. proper so, information so that we can look at it and not be over you're getting to the point you're not overwhelming with all that like each chapter is like you said is up to three pages um people are more likely to read something like that and if they were of uh, 30 pages you're less likely to per per chapter i should say yeah yeah uh, that's really kind of really cool what you're doing and parents you're creating awareness. You're helping people to just be aware. Yeah. Parents can even take, you know, a chapter out of the book, just one chapter, and highlight, you know, what they thought was most important about the chapter yeah. and have their child read the one chapter, right? Um, you know, even if it's in, in exchange for something, your, your child is asking you for something. Right? right. They want they want a new pair of tennis shoes. They want a, right. <laughs> yeah. They want a basketball. They want uh, an Xbox. They want whatever. Right. Don't just give it to them. Make them work for it. Right. One way to make them work for it is to have them read. Right. Have them read something that is going to improve their lives because you want your child to be smarter. You want your child to have a better life. You want your child to move, you know, to eventually spread their wings and move out of the house and have their own place and lead their own life, have their own family, right? Well, how do you prepare them for that, right? Well, one of the ways that you can do that is through a book like Millennial Samurai that will teach them what they need to know to survive and thrive, right? Well, how do you get them to read it? Well, if the chapters are only three pages, right. tear, the three, tear the three pages out of the book give them the three pages, have them read it, and then have them come back at dinner and sit down and discuss the three pages with the family, right? It's not, you know, it's not a Herculean task, right? It's not like you asked them to read the encyclopedia, you know? It's, it's three pages. It's very helpful and it's simple if you think about it. It's simple and not complicated and it's a yeah. good way to connect with your, your family or, yeah. or friends. You could even yeah. have a group of friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can, you can sit around with your friends, with your family. You can sit around on during the holidays. Um, you can talk about these things. Um, and Not really uh, good conversation instead of garbage. Yeah. You know saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can have really good conversations instead <laughs> of talking about something that isn't going to help anybody. Right. I Talk about something that's actually going to educate the kids, right? So let's right. say, you, yeah. let's say you, let's say you take the 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 uh, chapter on character, and it's and it's one or two or three pages, and the kids read it, and then they sit down and they talk to the adults about what they've read, and now the adults can have a conversation with the kids about the subject of character, and they can talk about how their own life experience 
what it has taught them about character and they can share that with the kids, right? So it can be a conversation starter that, that imparts a lesson. And those moments, those moment, that moment that we just described where the child reads the three pages and then has a conversation with the adults in the family or the other members of the family about the subject of character or commitment or courage and, and people relay their life experiences, um, you know, that is a moment that can change the life of the people who participate in the conversation. It might change your child's life. It might change your life, right? So moments do change lives, but you, you have to engage in these moments. You have to put yourself into circumstances that present these moments. Either you create them or you go somewhere where they're being created um, and you witness them or you experience them, um, but moments do change lives. I've had many. I've had many moments in my life. Oh, I bet. And I just think, life. yeah, what you're doing, this is definitely a great legacy you're providing for your daughter, but for your community and for everybody. And we just have to talk about it and have conversations, like you said. And um, this is so cool. I am just can't wait to get my copy and to read it. Yeah, I sent you the book. <laughs> so, you. so you're going to get it. And um, I'm looking forward to your reading it and hearing what you think. I will definitely uh, highlight it and share it with my, my sons. I already told them, gave them the, the link to download it. Oh, good. It or not. Um, good. So again, the people that are listening, you can go to, um, is it George J. Chano, C-H-A-N-O-S? Yes. And then millennialsamurai.com. Yes, they can go to georgejchanos.com and they can, and there's a link to Millennial Samurai at that website. Okay. And they can also go to millennialsamurai.com and, uh, and they can also go to amazon.com. So those are the, the three options to get this information. And for those that are listening, I'll have those links in the summary description. And thank you so much for your time, George, because I know you, you've got a lot on your plate, maybe, but I, I think it's awesome what you're doing. You're, you're spending a good, you're using your time wisely. Well, I Honestly, I, I really think that this is the highest and best use of my time. That there's, awesome. there's not a lot that I could be doing that I think would touch more lives and affect more people. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's how I'm keeping score these days. It's not, uh, it's not the changes in my bank account. It's, it's how many lives I'm touching. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to touch a lot of lives. That's so thank awesome. you for having me and thank you for helping me get the word out. Bridget, I really appreciate it. And, um, I look forward to hearing from you and let, and let me know what you think of the book. All right. Thank you so much again okay. for your time, George. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. I appreciate your time and I thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast or leave a comment. Now go have a great day.